You know, in the Bible, um, we, we, we see how God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. But what was his purpose when he brought them out of Egypt? Was it his purpose that the children of Israel would be stuck in the wilderness? No. His purpose was to take them to the promised land, right? That was his goal. And that is the goal with each of us as well. But the problem is, is we often get stuck in the spiritual desert. And I really feel like that that's um, where most of us in Christianity are, unfortunately. We're living in a, in a barely surviving. But one of my favorite promises, John 10, 10, says, I'm come, but that they might have life and life more abundant. That is God's purpose for us. Not that we would barely survive, not that we would live in wilderness Christianity, but that we would have life and life more abundant. But who is intent on stealing that life from us? The devil, right? The first part of this verse says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's trying to steal our life. He's trying to steal our joy. He's trying to steal our faith. And he's trying to steal um, the ability of us to go deeper in our, in our relationship with God. This quote um, from Inspiration says, Most professed Christians have no sense of the spiritual strength that they might obtain were they as ambitious, zealous, and persevering to gain a knowledge of divine things as they are to obtain the perishable things of this life. Many are satisfied to be spiritual dwarfs. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a spiritual dwarf. I want God to do more in my life. Um, but I just want to give you some encouragement uh, this morning. If you feel like maybe that's where you are in your experience, it's actually the perfect place for God to begin his work in you. If you feel like you're like, I'm in that desert and I'm not where I should be, but that's the perfect place to begin. We're told in ministry of healing, our only claim to his mercy is our great need. And so when we actually recognize, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm dry, I'm starving, whatever I need, then that's when God can really begin his work when we recognize our great need. So just briefly a little bit about um, my testimony. I grew up in the the church, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, But to me, it wasn't really a real positive experience. Um, It's actually a miracle through the grace of God and the people that he brought into my life that showed me what being a Seventh-day Adventist Christian is all about. And like Justin was just sharing in his his beautiful message, it's not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship. It's about that personal connection relationship and a vibrant life. You know, the problem for me growing up, I went to a church that professed to, to believe in a living God. But they acted like he was a dead God, like he's not really alive today. You know what I mean? And that's the condition, unfortunately, of many of, of our churches, um, dry churches, as we, we talk and we profess to believe in a living God, but our, our works tell otherwise. And what's even worse than that, our works deny. In other words, we say we love Christ, and then look at how we treat each other. Look at what we say against one another. And that is very, very painful. I have family members that actually left the church because of fellow Christians. It wasn't because of other people out there. It was because of the people that are professing, you know. And so that's kind of the environment and and the background. So it was a struggle for me. I didn't really enjoy a church. Um, it, It wasn't like I was rebellious against God. I praise the Lord. I had parents that were very dedicated and very genuine. I saw hypocrisy in the church 
But I can say, and I just praise the Lord for this because I know that this is not often the case, I did not see hypocrisy in my own home. My parents genuinely lived the faith. I saw them studying the Bible. My dad would be up at 4 o'clock in the morning praying for his kids, praying for our community. I saw God answering his prayers. Like if something would happen and my dad would pray, God would work. And so when we'd have said, Daddy, would you pray for such and such? Because I know God's going to hear your prayers. You know, so I, I saw genuine Christianity in my parents and their love for God, their love for other people. My parents are some of the most generous giving people that I know. You know, if somebody's in need, they'll help them. And just to give you an example, we had a single mom with eight children that um, was basically on the streets in a shelter. And they took her in, single mom, eight children, ages one to 13. And they lived with our family for three years. Before they moved on, the the woman remarried and is now happily remarried uh, in a new family. Um, those kids still call my parents like almost like their grandpa and grandma <laughs> because they just fell in love with our family. We fell in love with them too. But I'm just saying, I saw genuine Christianity in my family. And because of those things and other people that came in my life, I, I, I began to recognize this is why um, I am who I am. Um, but, but again, just in my growing experience, um, I, I did want to serve God. I gave my life to God at a at a young age, I was baptized when I was 12. When I got to high school, I got into missions. I started traveling. I just loved traveling. And to be honest, I think I liked traveling more for the adventure of it than because of, you know, the good things, you know, for God. It was just an adventure. And I could come back and say, well, guess where I've been? And look at these pictures and places. And so it was more for that in the early, early years of my life. Um, but as time went on, I began to recognize, I'll tell you a little bit more about that, journey. Um, God may have been doing good things, but in the early part of my young adulthood, there was not a lot of fruit, and I didn't really understand why uh, initially. But God began to do a deeper work in my heart, and he began to show me my desperate need of him. And I remember when it really started coming more clear to me, like, Melody, do you, res- do you recognize how desperately you need Jesus? You know, because to back up, even though I, I struggled with the church and everything, if people looked at me in the church, they would say I was a model um, Christian, a, a model young person. You know, I was doing the right things, saying the right things. I looked the right, you know, I was memorizing all my Bible verses. I was doing all the right things. And you know what happens when you're doing the right things and you're constantly applauded and praised for what you're doing? You get proud. You get spiritual pride. And that is something I began to struggle with. Because unlike some of my other friends who were off making crazy, stupid choices in their life, I was actually doing things pretty good. And so time's going on, and the spiritual pride is developing my life. And I didn't even realize it at first. But I remember, I mean, it's like Melody always had the answers. And when I was in high school, my friends would come to me with all their problems and their sob stories, and I'd tell them what they should do. And it was, it was good advice I was giving them. <laughs> but I remember thinking to myself, man, you know, I have my struggles. They're not like their struggles, man, <laughs> you know. And I didn't realize this, but pride is actually one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sin 
because it shuts us away from God, because we don't recognize our great need. Ellen White has a quote, and I didn't put it up here this morning, but it talks about the fact how we look at the drunkard, or we look at this person or that person and think, oh, such and such, but we ignore the sins of pride and covetousness and these things which actually shut us away um, in our walk with God. So anyway, um, God began breaking me. And you know, sometimes you pray. You begin to recognize, Lord, I need you to do something deeper in my life and walk with God. And then what happens? Everything starts going wrong. And this happens and that happens. And you're like, God, why? Why are you allowing this? And your heart is broken. And you're wondering, what is going on? And it's because... We have to be broken before he can actually do the work that he needs to do within us. So God is showing me, God is showing me my need of the cross, and he had to do it through a painful journey. Now, I don't know if any of you have heard um, my testimony, any of you heard my testimony on Audioverse where I share a little bit more of my personal growing above and beyond faith when God is silent. Any of you recognize that? Okay, good. So, um, just going to give you a short little synopsis, and I encourage you, especially if this might be, if you're struggling, if there's anything in your life, I wish I had time to share this whole testimony here, but I don't. If there's anything in your life and you're struggling and just saying, Lord, what are you doing? I don't understand. And your faith is wavering. You don't understand suffering. Um, you're just struggling to hold on with life circumstances, whatever heartache you're going through. This applies to all of those situations. My specific situation had to do in the area of relationships. Because when I was really young and growing up, my desire was to be what I thought everyone was supposed to be. And, you know, coming from a woman's perspective, obviously, uh, a wife and a mother and all of that. And so I had some really heartbreaking um, situations that happened in, in my life um, as a single. And I'm still single, by the way. How many of you guys are single? Okay, then you all need to go and hear my testimony. <laughs> Even if you're not single, it actually it would be a really big blessing to you. Because God has walked me through a journey of years. I'm talking over 25 years. And for the first part of the journey, I would never talk about it because it was too painful. I was just quietly praying and crying and trusting, you know, and I'm thinking in my heart, I'll talk about it and I'll share a testimony after my story is finished. After God has brought the, you know, knight in shining armor into my life and I can share God's goodness about what happens when you wait on him. True love is worth waiting for, right? But the years go on, and the years go on, and that's not happening. And there, there were four different circumstances in my life that were very, very heartbreaking. One of them I was even planning to marry. We were practically engaged. We were already planning our wedding and everything. And I'm praying, you know, Lord, I'm about to marry this man, and if this is not the one you have for me, please stop it. Boom! I was like, oh, Lord, Why? How did we get this far? And it falls apart here. I'm planning my wedding. I have a date. Some people had already bought tickets to come. Oh, it was heartbreaking. So these different situations, I'm not going to tell you all the details. Go listen to the message to hear more of the testimony. 
but I've walked through some really painful times, and I'm, I'm still in that journey, but God began to show me um, a new picture of who he is and his sustaining grace. And so I have begun to share the testimony with people just because I want people to know, well, I'm still in the middle of the story, that God is faithful, that God is sustaining. So I'm sharing just a glimpse of this. God is good, not because he gives us answers, but because he gives us himself. I love this. You know, we're all after the solution. We're all after the destination and the answers. But God is like, I want to give you myself. I am what you need. There's something else I want to draw attention to while I'm talking about this dark, um, heartbreaking experience in my life. Daniel's three friends. You know, Daniel's three friends, whatever circumstance you're facing, maybe you're facing a loved one, a parent, that's struggling with a health crisis or some other thing. Um, and, and I'm sympathized with you if that's the case. My mom's been struggling with lung cancer for the last two and a half years now. And we've been facing the very reality that we might lose her sooner than we had thought. And so we're going through these painful things and we're like, Lord, please heal. Lord, please do this. Lord, we know that you're able. You say you've stretched out the heavens by your great power. There's nothing too hard for you. Lord, you're able to do, please. You know, so we're crying and we're crying in faith for God to work in our lives. And it just doesn't seem like he's working. It just doesn't seem like he's answering. Of course, the devil's telling us all kinds of things like, you know, well, maybe he answered other people's prayers, but, you know, he's not you because of whatever. And so we fight these, these struggles with faith. But I want us to think about Daniel's three friends. They faced the fiery furnace. And they were told, basically, you need to bow down to this image. If you don't bow down, you're going to go in the fiery furnace. And what did Daniel's three friends tell King Nebuchadnezzar? They said, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But it, even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And I want you to take just that little nugget. Your God, who you serve, is able to deliver from whatever crisis you're struggling with in your life. And for those of us that are single and long for that companionship, <laughs> I love what Justin shared this morning from <laughs> his own experience. That's what people keep saying is it's like marriage is sanctification, you know. And I'm like, Lord, I need sanctification. <laughs> I'm ready for the next stage of the journey. <laughs> we really don't know what we're talking about when we're not there, right? But it's, it's the desire you're made for, you're made. You know, and I think, well, Lord, you know, you said it wasn't good that man should be alone. Well, if it's not good for man to be alone, it's not good for woman to be alone either, Lord. You know, so we reason all these things with God. Lord, you say two are better than one, and I'm working in full-time ministry. I'm traveling around the world, and I have a hard time carrying all my boxes and my luggage, and where's that man? You know, so you're reasoning all these things with God, like, Lord, you're able. What's taking so long? I'm in my 40s now. I would have never imagined I would be this age and this prayer would not be answered. But our God who we serve is able. But even if he does not answer our prayers, our hopes, our desires in the way that we desire, will we still trust him? Will we still say, God, you are good. I trust you, even if you don't do everything in this life that I think you should do. And so this has been the journey of my life. And in previous years, I would not even have told you this part of the story because it was too painful and too personal. 
I'll tell you that after the story's finished. But God has really convicted me to include this into my testimony so that you see when I talk about answered prayer, when I talk about going deeper in my walk with God, I'm not just flippantly up here talking and saying, see what God's done for me when I pray? You know, it's like silver platter. You know, he answers my prayers. God has answered so many prayers in my life and in Jim's life and our lives. But it's not just all come easy, whatever. We all have our struggles. We have our pains. We have the things that we have come through that have brought us to where we are today. They always say if there's a great testimony, it's because of a test. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the journey. I love this quote from Desire of Ages. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. We will not regret when we get to the end seeing what God has done. So more of that growing faith testimony, I want to encourage you to go to Audioverse and look up this message, Growing Above and Beyond Faith Even When God Seems Silent. And you need to look up the most recent recording from April um, that I shared in Loma Linda. Um, and I just think that that would be a huge encouragement for you, no matter what experience or trial you're going through. To be broken is the beginning of revival. It's painful, it's humiliating, but it is the only way. Here's another quote I love from Desire of Ages. From the soul that feels his need, nothing is withheld. He has unrestricted access to him in whom all fullness dwells. From the soul that feels his need. Okay, I'm going to move along here. So coming through some of these difficult experiences in my life, God began to break me and take me deeper. And I began saying, Lord, I don't want a superficial experience with you. I want more. And I began, you know, spending even more time with him in the morning, um, just opening my Bible. Tears are running down my face. And I'm just like, Lord, teach me. I don't even know what to ask for. I don't even know what to pray for, but teach me. And God began to bring promises to me, promises to my mind, and I began praying these promises. And I said, Lord, you said in your word this. I want to see this happen in my life. And so I started claiming the promises. God began opening the doors in ministry. Amazing doors. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Army Bible Camp or Pastor Ivor Myers. Um, but we started a ministry called Army, which is not anything about the military, but it's about being armed. Arm me, arming and equipping you with tools um, for Bible study, for biblical revival. And this is a ministry we started back in 2009. We didn't know what we were doing, but God began opening doors. The very first conference that we had, we had over 350 people at a campground in Southern California. God's spirit was poured out. We saw so many miracles there. As a result of Army Bible Camp, um, the, the prayer ministry began to grow because we had a prayer room. We had a girl, part of the team, Melissa Miranda. Some of you maybe know her because I think she's from Ontario um, and she's Filipino as well. And uh, she was just insistent, you know, we have to have prayer, you know, not just um, sandwiched here and there between the meetings, but every morning we, we need to have united prayer. And at first we didn't, you know, really know what she meant. But then we started having this beautiful United Prayer like we had upstairs this morning, which if you, ha you didn't come this morning, you need to come tomorrow. It was so beautiful. 
Uh, and it was just beautiful how God brought unity to the group and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the times of Bible study and it was just beautiful. We began seeing miracles in the ministry as a result. You know, we're, we're coming together. This, this conference, by the way, was like a five-day conference starting on Wednesday, ending on Sunday, where we just get together and study the Bible and pray. And just a beautiful experience. We saw marriages healed, saw... Um, people revived in their walk with God. So many miracles. I could tell you healings that we saw. Just beautiful, beautiful testimonies. You know, I think it's interesting. Um, in Mark eleven 17, we're told it's written, My house should be called of all nations a house of prayer. But what, uh, you know, what do we often make God's house? It's other things, right? It's not really prayers like the little tiny snippet here and there that we have or that sandwiches the main portions of the service. But he says, my house is to be called a house of prayer. I'm really convicted. Let me just stop and say this. I'm really convicted that the enemy does not want us to be praying. Because that is our connection with divine power. Just like Jesus, he's connecting with the Father. If there's anything the enemy does not want us to do, he does not want you to be in your own private prayer closet praying. But you know, there's something he doesn't want even more. And that is, he doesn't want us gathering in groups of two or three to pray. Because when you come together in unity in the Spirit to pray, there's even more power poured out. And you know there's something even more he doesn't want happening. He doesn't want churches praying together. Can you imagine the differences we would see in our churches and congregations if instead of talking about one another and all these other things, if we would be praying together? The enemy does not want to see that happen. I love this quote from Steps to Christ. Why are the sons and daughters of God reluctant to pray when prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence? God has given us the key. In fact, I travel with this as an illustration just to make a point. God has given us the key. You see this here? Hold the um, yeah, remote. Each one of us have been given this key. Now, something um, being known in prayer ministry and everything, people tend to think you have the magic key. Mm -hmm. So they always come to you with a prayer request, right? Or Jim has the magic key. And it's not wrong to do that, but this is my point. He didn't just give the key to one person or two people. He's given it to all of us. But how does the key work? So prayer is the key in the hand of faith. You want to advance to the next slide, if you can go forward. So, so prayer, look at this, this is the key. If you stick the key in the lock, is the door gonna open? No, what do you have to do? You have to turn it. We have to turn the key. And what turns the key? Faith. Faith is the muscle that turns the key. So if we do not believe in the God that we're praying to, how, how does the key even really turn? Faith is what turns the key um, in the hand of faith. <laughs> prayer is the key. Faith turns the hand. Prayer is not a magic key. You don't just pull it out in emergencies. Prayer is the key to staying alive spiritually. For the first part of my life in young adulthood, I feel like I missed a large part of this key. I pray. I did my devotions, but it was a superficial experience. And God began to take me deeper and show me, you need a deeper experience. You need to really learn 
what prayer is about. You need to learn that we are in a spiritual war. Okay, so fast forward. We have these Army Bible Camp ministries going on. We, we're having thousands of people that are attending these conferences. We're seeing you know, all kinds of miracles, spiritual revival, things like that taking place. We began to have our prayer teams asked to go around the world. We had teams all different countries internationally. We had a team in the Philippines. And I'm not sure where Jim comes into this picture here, but he, he became involved in one of the prayer rooms that we had going on in the Philippines. And that's what helped change his life. And he'll share more about that. But I remember uh, there was a team in the Philippines, and this one girl came to pray. And it was her first time. After the prayer time, she had tears in her eyes. And people, one of, the, one of our teammates was asking, are you okay? And she says, no, it was beautiful. This time of prayer was beautiful. But she says, but during the prayer time, she says, I opened my eyes, and I looked up, and I saw this circle of dark evil angels that were trying to break in and to stop the prayer time. But holding them back was a greater circle of angels of light. I can see that God is with you all when you pray. And we were like, wow, do we recognize the spiritual warfare that we are in? Do we recognize how the enemy is trying to keep us from praying and how God is shielding and protecting those that pray. Wow, so many stories I could share. I'm going to um, close off with this section and then Jim's going to share. So God is pressing all of us deeper in prayer. I became convicted that we needed to see more prayer on behalf of our church and leaders. You know, we get frustrated sometimes with what we see happening going on in the church and so we talk and we complain. But you know what the greatest tool, the greatest key that God has given us is prayer. And I think about what happened with Moses up on the hill, Joshua and the children of Israel are down fighting in the valley. And they're struggling. And Moses, every time he prayed, they were having victory, right? But when he stopped praying, they stopped having victory. And so Aaron and her came and held up his arms. And I was really convicted. We need more people to be praying on behalf of our church, our pastors, our leaders, our general conference and division. And so God um, convicted me to take a prayer team to go to the general conference. God opened the doors for that. Long story. I won't go into how that happened. Um, okay, I'm going to take another five minutes. Um, so we're at the GC um, with these prayer teams. And um, basically, we, we would go in for three weeks at a time, uh, 21 days of just fasting and prayer. And when I say fasting, I'm not saying complete abstinence from food, but just very limited, simple Daniel's fast cutting out media and all the other distractors, and we'd just be praying. And we would come into the general conference building at 3 o'clock every morning. Why are we going in at 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, because we want to pray and walk through the building and pray over all the departments. Well, nobody's there because we don't want to disturb them during the workday. So we'd go in at 3 o'clock in the morning, and then we'd leave at 7 about the time that they were coming in. So we had a prayer team doing this, and it was beautiful seeing how God worked during those morning prayer times. And we're praying that God will take you know, our leaders uh, deeper and do a deeper walk uh, in their life. Because you know, oftentimes when you're serving God and working in leadership, you get so busy, you, you have good intentions, but you get so busy that you start to lose that connection. And so we're praying that God will shield our leaders and that he'll, he'll give them personal revival. But, but if there's some that, that need a fresh conversion, that he'll do that as well. And so we're praying all these things. And God was working. Again, there's a lot of miracle stories I could tell you from this, but I'll share, I'll share just three really quick. 
One time we're walking through the building at 3.45 in the morning and one of my prayer teammates just starts praying, Lord, if there's anyone here right now that, that there's something between you and them, please help them to wake up out of their sleep right now, get on their knees and confess and repent their sins and make things right with you. And that's what she prayed. And I remember looking at my watch and, you know, as we're walking through and she's praying this bold prayer. And then we continue going through praying for each of the departments in the building. By the way, if you've not been to the General Conference building um, in Silver Spring, Maryland, where all of the um, St. Thomas Church Leaders headquarters is, it's a four-story building. About 700 employees work in this building. This is a massive building. So that's why we take so much time walking through all the floors. Later on that day, after my friend prayed that prayer, I saw a post on one of the church websites that somebody had posted. At 3.45 this morning, I woke up out of my sleep, and I was overwhelmed and convicted of my sins, and I got on my knees and repented and confessed to God, and I urge you to do the same. That's the essence of what they wrote that day. You say, God answers prayer? See, these prayers that we're praying behind the scenes on behalf of our church, we're really not going to know the answer in this life. We may not know until heaven how God has worked behind the scenes, but he began giving us little glimpses of how he's working. I'm just like, wow, Lord, look at what you're doing. Okay, so here's uh, another, another answer prayer. Um, the West Central Africa Division, I'm talking church leadership, comes from about 3 million members, and they are struggling bringing in tithe People aren't paying their tithe. They're struggling in the division. And their report this one year was 23% tithe. That's not very good. We need to have 100%, right? So we were praying with the leaders. They were part of our United Prayer Times. So we would have the morning 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then we would also lead United Prayer with all the leaders, which um, that's not exactly what's happening there. We were praying for the, for the presidents there in that picture. But... We're praying with all of them. They were so convicted. They went back to their division. They started getting people to pray, their whole division to pray. They're preaching revival and reformation. The next year, they came back with a new report from their division, 103% tithe. So they went from 23% to 103%. What does this mean? This means more people are paying tithe than are actually members. <laughs> you see? I'm not talking about... You understand what I'm saying? 103% tithe coming in. In other words, more people are paying than are actually members. It was just beautiful. Um, a division of over 3 million members. And so we see how God is working, you know, shaping leaders and, and as a result, influencing their whole division. And this was my prayer because I'm like, I have a burden to see God's church be greater on their knees in prayer. But I can't go out and touch those 18, 22, whatever million that we have in our church. I feel like God's called me as a missionary. <laughs> To the leaders, and if I can hold up their arms like Aaron and her held up Moses, and they can experience a deeper walk, then they can go and touch the others, right? So that's the personal burden God's really placed on my heart. By the way, I never thought I'd be in prayer ministry. This is all fast forward. I never thought I'd be in prayer ministry. I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse by profession in the medical field. God calls me out of the medical field into prayer ministry. Okay, I'm going to give you one of my books today, Daring to Ask for More. I brought copies. Uh, I brought lots of copies. <laughs> so those of you that are here during my seminars will all get one, and that shares more of my testimony. Last testimony during the morning prayer time. Um, we're going in every morning to pray in our church headquarters, 
And we were convicted to pray with the security at the front door, because there's security people guarding the door. Not all of those security are necessarily even Adventists, they're just security, okay? We're praying with them. And at first they weren't quite sure what to think about this group coming in at three o'clock in the morning to pray. They were a little disturbed. <laughs> but slowly God began breaking down their hearts and they began warming up to us and they began sharing their prayer requests. So fast forward, we've developed a relationship with this, with this one security guard over the years. By the way, we did this not one year. We've done this every year since 2012. And we're in 2019 now. We're getting ready to do it again this October. Jim's part of my prayer team. He comes with me down there. The security guard tells us one day, he says, can you please pray for my wife? She's been diagnosed with breast cancer, and she's got lumps all in her breast, and things aren't looking good. So we begin praying every day, every day. Lord, we know that you're able to heal this man's wife. If it could be for your glory and honor, could you please heal? And if not, please give them strength to walk through this. That's what we're praying. At the end of the time, we're about to leave. He tells us, he says, you will not believe. We went back to the doctor and the cancer's all gone. The tumors are all gone. There's nothing there. And three tumors. And the doctor is like, I don't know how to explain this. I mean, I have the scans that show that they're there and they're gone. And, and, and the man's like, it's a miracle. It's because people are praying. God has worked a miracle. And I love this testimony because we are going in to pray with the world church. We are going in to pray with the leaders of the church, but God cares about the doorkeeper. Amen. It's not just the leaders. He cares about each one of us, you and I, of infinite value to God. He cares. Well, God is working. Maybe I should just let Jim pick up here. Um, we just see God working all around the world, bringing groups together to pray. And it's just blown my mind what God will do with young people who are willing to get on their knees and seek him. So I'm going to let Jim pick up and share a little bit of his testimony here for the remainder of the time. Can you tell us about that picture? Praise the Lord. This picture? Yeah. Um, by the way, this is like the GYC Canada. This is GYC Philippines. And uh, I invited Melody once to go to uh, the PYC and said, Mel, you have to experience this. And Melody... Uh, she could not uh, resist the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the bugging of his half-brother. <laughs> I love this brother, I have her size, her height. <laughs> so she went, and uh, our prayer session does not start at 6, it starts at 5. So Melody planned to go there at around five for, uh, 4.45, and she said she wants to, to be alone with the Lord, so she started walking. And she, she was looking around. There are like little Filipinos walking with her. She took her. There were like 20 young, young people were walking. And when they arrived, there were like 30 or 40 people who were already there. And God has been pouring out His Spirit. And it has been a blessing so much too. This is 5 a.m. by the way. It looks light, but it's 5 a.m. in the morning. 400 young people. Yes. And just the, the PYC that ended uh, last uh, June, uh, we had an air-conditioned room. It's like, a, it's like a little smaller than this. And 600 plus young people came. And the air-conditioned could not handle the heat. So people were, were fanning themselves, but they're not getting out. So God has been good. The prayer ministry has been a huge blessing for me. It's, 
like the ministry even went to Thai to to Iceland. Mm -hmm. So in Iceland, we we bend our knees every single morning, seek for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and when we go door to door, divine appointments after divine appointments were opened before us. Mm -hmm. It is just a joy to see hearts being changed, mm -hmm. not because of human effort, mm -hmm. but because of what the Holy Spirit can do. But like the story of Melanie, my story as well is not uh, it's not really a prayer ministry uh, preparation type of story. I'm the kind of guy that, uh, that doesn't need anything much. I can do things on my own. I, I started working, uh, not, not working, doing business at the age of six. Even before I could count money, I was already selling stuff. <laughs> so I need so much of what I can do and not what what God could do. And for me, prayer is not really necessary. Prayer is, is something that you do when, when you're desperate. And I'm not desperate, especially when we're men. Men are supposed to give solutions, don't we? So prayer, and, and when people ask me, hey, Jem, let's, let's pray, I said, I'm busy. <laughs> I always see prayer as not really necessary. So, and, uh, and as a result, my devotional life is not a clue. By the way, I'm a youth leader back home. I'm not just a youth leader in our district or in our church. I was the conference youth leader. Oh, wow. I was a conference youth leader. And, and you know, on leaders, sometimes you get overwhelmed by the task that you do things, you plan things. Those distractions are, all the while I thought it, they were just little, but I did not even realize that they were really major distractions for my devotional life, for my prayer life and especially for my spiritual life. I'm addicted to movies. I guess some of you could relate to what I'm, I went through. I was really, really addicted to movies. In fact, I had like 1,500 DVD collection. And uh, of course, all of them were pirated. So, <laughs> so I, I was just this. I'm, what do you call this? I'm a pack rat. I'm a hoarder, so when I like something, I really, I, I really buy it. And it all started with a very one innocent collection of DVD. You know what's the first movie I collected? Finding Nemo. Oh. <laughs> I found more than Nemo. There's more than 1,500, and when there was this youth congress that I lead out, organized, there was this pastor who gave his powerful testimony. And it's a testimony of faith. And I said to myself, I want that. I want that experience with God. And this pastor gave an appeal. And he said, whoever wants to follow God, follow him with all that you have. Do not hold back. There's no, there's no, there's no middle ground. There's no going to both rivers. You have to choose which bank are you in. Either on the Lord's side, you have to follow God 100%. If you are on the world's side, go to the world 100%. So friends, I was, I was really struggling and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And as a youth leader, I said, I want, I want that experience. So I moved forward. I was crying. I was crying because I have not watched like 300 of those DVDs that I bought. I'm thinking, what's life going to be after, after DVD? All the while, I thought that those are the things that will make me happy. Things that we do 
We do it because we desire to be happy. Amen? And the pursuit, the highest pursuit of men is for what? Pursuit of happiness. And I encountered this beautiful quote from, from Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2. It says, All heaven will unite with men in his effort to gain true happiness. Can you say amen? All of heaven will unite with us in our effort to gain true happiness. Take note, true happiness. This is not just fleeting happiness. So the moment, friends, I let go of those things, I begin to realize that there's more to life than this. Seriously, and this is one amazing thing, because as a leader, we do not even realize that we are influencing people around us. Even if we are not thinking that we are leaders, we are an influence to the people around us. My fellow young people came forward as well, and they begin surrendering to the Lord the things that have hindered them from giving their all. Some of them surrendered fashion. Some of them surrendered their, no, uh, their books, their novels, pocketbooks, friends, cabinets of cabinets of pocketbooks, magazines. We were burning them. It's, it's like we're having a ritual there. <laughs> Beside the river, there was a bonfire, and the bonfire lasted at around 2 in the morning. That's how many. And, and with the DVDs, of course, we did not burn them. We, we pound them to the ground. I had blisters in my hands together with my six other friends. It took us four hours and a half to destroy all those things. All the idols. But the moment it got destroyed, you know what happened? My desire to read the Bible began to grow. My desire to read the spirit of prophecy began to grow. Sometimes the key, the key to our vibrant devotional life is letting go. <laughs> She'll talk more about that. And you know what happened, friends? That was just the beginning of everything. God is just so good. And, and He blessed the ministry that I was in. We begin to share this, this experience that we've had because when you tasted something good, you cannot keep it to yourself. huh? If you can't keep it to yourself, you're just plain selfish. <laughs> but if there's something really, really good, you are a free advertisement. You are a free billboard going around. And I'm a very, very noisy billboard. So I went around and shared this with my fellow young people and they could not, they could not uh, uh, be satisfied of what they received as well. So we went to other districts, to other places, and we saturated our whole conference youth and even went to the other conference to share the revival that we have experienced. And then, what happened was, when revival happens, who is angry? The enemy of souls. And he will use his people, and he will use his, you against one another to disappoint you so that you will not move forward. Make long story short, I had the most disappointing, a very heartbreaking experience. This is not a love life, but this is more than a love life. Friends, when you have given your all, and, and the ministry is like your heir, it's more than a love life. And when that happened, I was at the point of, of really breaking it up with the Lord. I told God, is this what you repay for a person who gives all to you? And I said to him, I even pointed my finger to him, you can do this to me, but please do not do it to the other young people who have given their commitment to you. So I was crying before God and I was so disappointed. I was ready to turn my back on him. 
But prior to that, 11 years prior to that, I said to the Lord, I want to be a missionary. You know why? Because I thought that I'll be the biggest blessing in the mission field. <laughs> I'm thinking, God is so blessed and so lucky to have me on His side. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, you are not ready. I could not lead you. But that time, a disappointment happened. The Lord somehow opened the doors and I did not even realize that the door was open. The door finally opened and the Lord said, now you're ready. I'm thinking, are you joking? I'm ready, I'm even about to leave you. Am I really ready? Friends, you know what? In that brokenness, there I saw my great need of God that Melody was talking about. Because before I was doing this on Jem's terms, on Jem's brilliance, on Jem's excellence, and it's not what God wanted. He wants me to be led. He wants me to be guided. He wants me to sit down at His feet, to kneel down before Him. And that's the time that I've experienced something really powerful. And, and uh, you still have time now? Mm -hmm. The first time that I really had an experience was, was in the prayer room. And it's funny because I was really leaving, planning of leaving the church. I did not even want to leave the church in our, in our, what's this, in our, in our conference. I want to go to other, to other places, to a place where no one knows me. I don't want to be an influence to the other young people. And then Melody's friend, Melissa, came to the Philippines and uh, she somehow picked three young people to join her for the prayer team and uh, I was not actually, believe it or not Mel, I was not actually part of the regular team. I was not part of, and one of the ladies said, Ate, how about Jem? How about Kuya Jem? And I said, oh, okay, let's bring Jeff. And then in the end, I'm the only one who stayed. Isn't God amazing? We do not even realize what God's plan for us is. So, so she was promoting this. She was promoting this in, in one of the faith camps. And while she was promoting this, she said, Jem, before she promoted it, Jem, I want you to be part of the prayer team, to lead out in the prayer session. I said, what are we gonna do in the prayer session? Remember friends, I didn't like prayer. And she wanted me to be part of the prayer team. I'm the kind of guy, make me sweat, make me run around, don't let me put, don't put me in, in a corner and do nothing. I'm like an energizer bunny. <laughs> Friends, I am. If you put me in a spot, I, I go crazy in one spot. I'm this like self-diagnosed kid with ADHD. So, and prayer for me would be a torture. And then she's giving these powerful testimonies. There was this one, one girl, 16-year-old girl, 17-year-old girl in an army Bible camp, she, was, she had so much hatred in her heart. She, she had so much anger in her heart. And, and she heard people giving testimonies in front, how the Lord has spoken to them in the prayer room, how the Lord changed their lives. And she was saying, no, those are not true. They're lying. And then she said, okay, I'll try it for myself. I'll only be there for five minutes. And she stayed there. She stayed for 15 minutes. She stayed for 30 minutes. And she stayed for the whole three hours that day. And she said, something is happening in the prayer room. She went back again the next day and she stayed there. She spent eight hours in the prayer room. 
in the end she shared her testimony front and and when she went back home she has like two prayer teams and later on prayer prayer teams that was established 14 year old girl and when i heard the testimony listening three hours eight hours in in the prayer i'm thinking that's gonna be a torture for me i don't know what's gonna happen so i reluctantly went ahead and and joined them on on their knees praying to the lord my dear friends what happened was remember i had this this hatred this anger in my heart and when i bent down it's a good thing that there were only three of us melissa my niece and me when we begin praying i have not prayed for the past five months i didn't even know how to talk to god i was so angry at him the first section of prayer was praise and thanksgiving and short bullet-sized prayer what we're doing in the, in the prayer room the first two prayers that i've uttered it pierced my heart and this the walls just went down i began bawling in tears i begin to realize that i've been complaining so much to the lord that i have missed out on what he has done for me that was the beginning and friends i could not keep it to myself the moment i the moment i experienced this it's like your eyes has been opened and i realized that there's there has been a, a huge wall that i have put between me and god and i i think right now that it's not just me who's experiencing this god's church's experiences this is the reason why the holy spirit is not poured out upon us because there's walls between each one of us and i said each one needs to experience what i have experienced so the moment i got out of the prayer room i came running to some people and said have you been to the prayer room have you been to the prayer room? i'm a shameless guy so i just used that you have to go to the prayer room i you have to go you have to experience the prayer room friends our prayer room was filled up and that was the beginning of revivals in other places and this is one joy that i see and when i look back friends when i look back on what i have experienced that was the biggest blessing mm. the need brought me on my knees the need brought me in the presence of God. And there's this beautiful quote here that I'd like to read. This is from Ministry of Healing, page 474, paragraph 1. I'll read a couple of, of quotes. It says, In the future life, the mysteries that here have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. Can you say amen? amen. That disappointment was the biggest blessing for me because if not for that i would not have realized how much i need god Amen. and the more you need god the more life becomes sweet the more you'll see his power the more you see the evidences that, that he wants you he wants to show you that he is god and last quote i'd like to share this the lord can do but little for his for the children of men because they are so full of pride and vain glory the exalt self magnifying their own strength learning and wisdom and listen to the next line it is necessary for god to disappoint their hopes and frustrate their plans that they may learn to trust in him alone amen every disappointment every frustration the lord is teaching us to lean 
fully on Him. So my dear friends, I hope and I pray that uh, you could relate to the testimonies that we've shared. And remember, we are not prayer leaders right now because we were born to be prayer leaders. <laughs> it's our need. And if you have a need of God, God can use you. Can you say amen? I'd like to give the time to Sister Melody too. Um, just, just in closing here, it's just been so exciting for us seeing a little taste of what God can do, but he just longs to do so much more, you know. Um, here's, a, here's a video playing right now. Uh, maybe some of you have been part of. Have any of you been at, the, at GYC? The big prayer time? We have 800 or 1,000 young people coming together every morning at 6 o'clock to pray. That's been beautiful. And you might think, you know, how can that many people pray together? <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit brings order and harmony. It's a beautiful experience. Um, Jim has been prayer leader there at GYC for the last three years. And God is doing this, not just here, not just there, not just in the Philippines but all around the world in different places. We're encouraged to pray for success with the divine assurance that our prayers will be answered. The promise of Matthew 18, 19, which says if two of you shall agree, it's touching anything that they ask, is made on the condition that the united prayers of the church are offered, and in answer to these prayers, there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. But the power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love for God and for one another. How vitally important it is and you know when you pray together it's hard to talk against each other because you develop you develop a love and a unity so i've seen a glimpse jim has seen a glimpse but we've also recognized god has so much more Amen. that he longs to do and i can really echo with what jim said you know because we had different things that we both experienced or we wanted or disappointments but you know what now say wholeheartedly i am so thankful God did not answer my prayers mm -hmm. in earlier years in ways that I wanted. You know, I told you just a smidgen of my relationship um, testimony. I'm so glad God did not allow me mm -hmm. to get together with any uh, of the um, men that I would have liked to in the relationship realm because he had a better plan. And that doesn't mean <laughs> I don't hope that there's still something in the future, but I recognize that what I wanted in the past was not his best, and he ultimately had... Um, something better and and so I just praise him I'm so thankful when I look back at where I was and where he's brought me and of course where he's still taking me I'm just so grateful um, for what he's doing he says call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not oh there there can you give your testimony <laughs> <laughs> so we'll finish with the promise Matthew or Malachi 3:10 says um, prove me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing there's not rare enough to receive it you know, this promise, of course, is in the context of our tithes and offerings. But you know that this promise we can claim in our life as a whole. God says, prove me. I have so much more that I want to do for you. So that's our testimony. Um, this morning, uh, after I have prayer, um, my friend here is going to hand out um, one of my books to each one of you. If you already have a copy, you can, you can take one for a friend. Um, Jim's book is, is not quite published yet. Audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> His book is audiobook. Anyway, so um, this is, this is uh, Divine Keys for Answer Prayer. So this shows some of our testimony, some of my testimony. Um, Jim's journey is 
is part of the story because we were both part of the Army Bible Camp Ministries and Prayer Ministries, even though I don't think he specifically mentioned. Um, and then we talk about uh, the battle over prayer and different counterfeit prayer movements that are going on, counterfeit revivals that are going on, and how do we tell the difference? How do we avoid getting swept into those things? So I actually cover a lot of different things. So I pray that's a blessing. Um, let's just have a brief word of prayer, and then we'll go to our next session. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be here at GYC Canada and for the opportunity to share. And we just ask, show us, Father, how to dare to ask yes. for more. We don't even know how to ask as we should, but you say in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Oh, Father, show us how to dare to ask for more. Thank you, Father, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.